Welcome back to the Redneck Tech Podcast. This is going to be episode number 55. And on this episode, I have one of my really good buddies from Ohio, Jeff Bigler, who has recently went out on his own, created his own production company, does a lot of work with the Bomars out of Ohio. And, um, you know, get to talk to him about some of the things he's learned, some of the uh, aspects of running his own business that he struggles with. And he gets to tell the story of a well over 200 inch deer that him and his brother were hunting and his brother actually shot and did not kill last season and they hunted all year this year for and ended up getting poached by another well not necessarily poached but killed illegally by another guy in their area really cool story heartbreaking story at the same time but uh we have some good conversation get to talk about uh you know how he got his start or didn't get he didn't get his start. I'm not gonna take that much credit. But first time we met was when he came to my editing school, which was oh gosh, three or four years ago. And um, now he's running his own business, doing well, enjoying life, and killing it from what it sounds like. So um, I hope you enjoy it. And this is Mr. Jeff Bigler. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah, you want it? All right, guys, here we are with Jeff Bigler, who is one of my favorite people in the world. I can't tell you that you're you're my favorite Ohioan, Ohioan, how do you say it, Ohioan? Ohioan, Ohioan, because, you know, you got your buddy Joey there, and it'd be a hard choice between you and Joey. I love both of you. <laughs> Joey, it's it's a different kind of love. It's like how you love one brother more than another brother, or you know, you can't choose which one you like the most. You know, that's kind of what I got for you and Joey. Oh, Joey's a good dude. He's, <laughs> he's a gem, man. Oh, but man. Thank you. No, you're welcome, dude. Well, um, I wanted to get you on. You recently, uh, how recently did you uh, go out on your own and start your own business and, and, and production? Um, well, as far as full-time working for myself, um, it was just this October actually. Um, and then I'd been doing, uh, work for myself on the side as well as, you know, 40, 50 hour day job, um, for probably a little over a year before that. So it's, uh, it's been pretty recent and it's, it's hectic, it's stressful, but, but I love it. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't trade it. Yeah. Wouldn't trade it for nothing. Right, yeah, it's just the freedom it allows and, and basically just the creativity that allows too or two of the things that, you know, I really like about it. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, kind of kind of give me a, a kind of a bio. I mean, I know your bio, but kind of for, you know, people listening that might not know who you are, kind of, you know, where are you from? You know, how would you get into filming and, uh, you know, all that good stuff? Sure. All right, well, I'm, I'm an Ohio boy, uh, born and bred. Um, I've been here most of my life, other than a brief stint where I moved to California for work um, right out of college. Uh, but as far as filming, I got into it young. Uh, I saved up a bunch of birthday and Christmas money and bought my first um, camcorder when I was 13, I believe. Nice. And I just, you know, took it to the woods with me, mainly just because I would see things in the woods that were so cool and so unique. And a lot of times were, were unbelievable um, that you couldn't share with people that didn't hunt unless you had you know, physical proof of it. And that, that's physically the reason why I got started filming and taking a camera to the woods with me. And I'm, I'm 31 now, and I don't recall going into a woods other than maybe a handful of times since that 13th birthday um, without a camera. 
That's awesome. I just, I just fell in love with it, and and it kind of grew from there. And met a bunch of like-minded dudes in college um, that that enjoyed it too. And we kind of formed a little team, a filming team we called Team Rip uh, Outdoors, and that was down in Southern Ohio and Hawking College. And um, we did it for fun at, at first, and you know, the more we did it, the better we got at it, and the more serious we took it. And it just kind of grew from there a little bit, and turned into, uh, you know, just just like about any of the, the smaller filming teams you see out there today, you know, just trying to make it big and get noticed by people in the industry and get your footage used. And, you know, with the dream of one day having a, a TV show um, come from it, which, you know, didn't happen. Um, but we did uh, we did get some awesome appearances on a few other uh, TV shows, not our own, but um, we had some, some showings on um, Excalibur's Outdoor America, which was really cool. That got us a foot in the door and you know, just kind of stemmed from there. And, you know, as we got older and people started having kids and buying houses and stuff, you know, we, we kind of slowed down with it and didn't really take it any further, but we, we still all kind of film together and hunt just, just for fun. And, you know, with me doing editing now, and whenever I have some free time, I'm able to, uh, to whip together some of those hunts and just, just for the memories more than anything at this point. Yeah. But, um, well, I mean, that's, very similar to how I got started, you know, with starting a web series with those same aspirations and, you know, ended up meeting good people, getting experience and, you know, here we are today. So it's, it's crazy how it happens. You know, it's, it's an indirect result of, you know, what we wanted to happen, but you know, I, yeah. I wouldn't trade it. It worked out even better than I could have hoped. Yeah. Same here. That's, you know, I, uh, with a little bit of more of a tech savviness to me than some of the other guys, I kind of took into the editing standpoint and taught myself how the, how to run the programs and whatnot. And, and that's what kick-started my love for editing and, and, and producing and, and telling the story. Um, and, and that's, you know, long story short, what led me to where I'm at now. Yeah, and, and that kind of leads me to the next question is how did we meet? Um, how did we meet? Well, yeah, it was an editing through, class. It was the editing class, yeah. I think you and Joey had actually talked together through social media. Mm-hmm. And that's how that class got brought up. And Joey asked if I wanted to ride down to Georgia with him and... I was all about it, and then yeah, met you and Hunter Phelps as well. He's another talented dude in the industry, and um, yeah, we've all been been friends ever since. And you've been like a a mentor to me ever since, man. You know, you've you've helped me a ton, and you've got me some side jobs, and you know, I owe a lot of my uh, my small amount of success to you. You know, and you help me weekly. It seems like I'm texting you with a question or something anymore. So. You know, I, I owe a lot of it to you, man. I can't mm. thank you enough. Well, I appreciate it, dude. Well, I mean, that's you know, that's the reason that I, I started the podcast. The reason I continue to do it is because there was never someone to answer questions for me. So that's why I do it, so I can answer questions, and, and which I've said this a hundred times. I don't always have the answer. And I'm sure there's been a couple times you've asked me questions and I told you <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you know, is is yeah. one of those things to where um, you, you've got to do a lot of research. You've got to reach out and you can't be afraid to, you know, kind of what I talked about in the last, in yesterday's podcast, you can't be afraid to, um, reach out to people. can't be afraid to ask questions. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm, I feel blessed that I'm the guy that you ask. Um, but yeah, I mean, anytime you or anybody else listening needs something, feel free to holler at me. I try and answer all of them to the best of my ability. But, um, anyway, kind of moving on, what is the, uh, what is your favorite thing to film? If you could only film one thing, gun to your head, what is it? Oh, that's a toughie. Um, well, I haven't done a ton of the Western stuff. I, I can imagine, you know, rutting bull elk. Oh, it'll ruin, be, ruin you. 
ruin you. Yeah, that that'd be amazing, man. That's probably my dream hunt. So, you know, what I what I consider a dream hunt and film would would kind of go hand in hand. Um, I have a huge infatuation with sheep. Um, just you know the ruggedness of them. So I think that would be really cool. But I don't know. If, I, I'm born and bred a, a deer and turkey hunter. But I gotta say that whitetail probably take the cake slightly there for me. So if I had yeah. to pick one thing, I'd say whitetail. Yeah, about to say uh, films. you know if, yep. if you're some some you know any self-respecting whitetail hunter from Ohio, better say whitetail hunting. And we're gonna get we're gonna get into the story of the big deer here before long. But uh, I'm gonna save that for a little later on. But um, sure. Where um, what's your favorite thing to edit? You know, if you had to only pick one thing to edit, what's your favorite thing to edit? Um. <clears throat> <laughs> probably like uh real estate videos just for their simplicity yeah um real estate and and property you know aerial type uh type footage just just because it's easy and quick yeah um and and it, and it pays well to turn and um, burn baby turn and burn make that money exactly but uh well i just finished up um my my main client right now or josh and sarah bomar and um i just finished up her elk hunt recently and man, that was it was it was the most strenuous project I've done to date. It was the most footage that I've ever had to work with, and I didn't film a second of it myself. Which you know, you as an editor knows the difficulty in that yeah. working with footage that you don't know anything about. Um, but man, that was a fun project too. So that uh, it's really hard to tell. I guess it's all depending on my mood. Yeah. What, what's your perspective on that? You know, because I tell people all the time I don't like. I don't like editing things I didn't shoot. So you know, kind of what's your perspective on that? You know, what makes it when you're, you know, when you're shooting it, when you're the guy in control, how much easier is it to edit when you shot it versus when someone else shot it? I feel it's it's tenfold easier just because, you know, being a, a creative individual, as you're filming something, you already have a plot or a story point in your mind. You know, you have an idea how you want this footage to lace together, and therefore you're going to film how you want it to go together also mm -hmm. so chronologically as you get into the footage and you have it laid out in front of you if you filmed it yourself with that story in mind a lot of times your clips pretty much just fall in line boom 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 easy whereas if it's footage that you didn't film yourself like for instance that elk hunt you know they they hunted in total for like 17 days between the two of them and they had anywhere from three to five cameras running each day and it's very easy for that footage to get mixed up in the files mm -hmm. um you know in between when it's being yeah, saved and whatever yeah, i get it in my hands if you don't stay organized for sure exactly so um it, it's it's extremely extremely easy to get basically drowned in the footage if you don't know what you're looking at mm -hmm. so I, I think it's much much easier if you shot it um, and edited it as opposed to just editing something that was thrown in, in your lap. You know, and, I, and I've talked about this before. How much how much value do you feel it, it as a producer and as somebody that now owns your own business, shooting and editing, how much value is it to you now that you know how to edit? How much better of a shooter does it make you? Not only, not only, it, not only better, but how much more efficient are you? It, I, I was going to say it's more of an efficiency thing. Um, I've I've taught myself to be very diligent on immediately deleting clips that I know for a fact are completely unusable. Um, even a five second clip thrown in there that you don't need is just, uh, it's just another cog in the wheel that you don't need. It just makes things more difficult. Um, so it, it, from an efficiency standpoint, it, it, it is a lot, a lot easier and a lot more time saving, um, working with footage that you shot yourself yeah learning for sure. learning the basics of how an editing how an edit goes together the the basic structure of a good edit you know knowing those building blocks 
makes you such a better shooter, man. I, I bet I shoot a quarter of much as much footage as I did before I really learned how to edit. It, it's unbelievable how much time you can save yourself just by learning how to edit. Right, yeah, and yeah, exactly. And with that story um, in mind as you're going into it, like you just said, you shoot so much less footage that you don't need and you only capture the bread and butter of the stuff, you know, what yeah. you absolutely need to work with. Well, well, and then not only that, not only that, but you know, how much more work do you feel like it brings you in, brings into you that you know how to do both that you can shoot and edit versus one or the other. Say that one more time. How much more work do you feel like you get because you know how to shoot and edit versus just knowing how to shoot or just knowing how to edit? Oh, it's, it's, at least double. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been quite a few jobs where, you know, I just needed to, to go and shoot. Um, you know, I did that, that job that you actually, you, uh, you hooked me up on in, uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama for that Yeti project. Mm -hmm. Um, went down there, I didn't touch it, didn't even see the final project, but I spent two days down there shooting it. Mm -hmm. And you know, that, that paid quite well and it was an awesome experience and it was, it was easy. You know, you had half the work, uh, involved with it. And then same thing with editing, you know, obviously you don't have, the time in the field shooting it, um, which you, know, you you're then able to do other work while you're waiting for the footage for the upcoming project. Mm -hmm. So it, it's yeah, it's fifty fifty. It's, yeah. it's half the work with either way you go about I, it. I mean, I try and encourage guys that are just shooters. I mean, man, I'm like guys, learn how to edit. It's going to make you such a better shooter, more efficient shooter, and all that work that you're you know in the off season that you're missing out on. You can, yep. you know you could be making that much more money. It's just it's a no brainer to me. But what do I know? <laughs> what uh what's what's um what did you feel like was your biggest struggle when you started getting into editing and you know editing longer projects what do you feel like was your you know your main struggle or you know the hardest part for you to adapt to when you were doing long edits oh man um organization was was tough at first um you know after you do it a while you you figure out different things that that work for you that might not for the other person mm -hmm. um you know, so for anybody getting into it, just just practice organizing and find a system that works for you and, and helps you speed up your workflow. Um, and then probably one of the, the biggest things for me was shortcuts. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I don't have a huge proficiency with computers. Um, so, you know, I'm, you know, I can't type without looking at the uh, keyboard. And, and so for me, just the, the very basics, you know, the actual, the keys and the shortcuts and, and what each, each shortcut does, um, learning that stuff was, was huge in speeding up my workflow. How much faster, um, how much faster have you gotten since you've learned shortcuts and you've done a lot more longer edits? How much faster of an editor do you feel like you are? Oh man, that elk project, I had probably 80 or 90 hours wrapped up in it. And if I'd have done that two years ago, I'd have had two months on it. Yeah. So I mean, it's, ex exponentially. It's hard to even quantify. Yeah, it. exponentially. It's, it's, it's night and day difference. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's just another important thing is learning those shortcuts, man. Oh my gosh, how much faster it makes you. Absolutely. Well, um, another thing I want to talk to you about is you know you you know now owning your own business and you have to deal with multiple clients and you have real estate clients, you have hunting clients, you have you know, I don't know how many weddings or anything if if you even do those anymore, but. You know, as few as I can. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh! Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> what's uh, you know, kind of what's your system for dealing with clients? You know, you know, one of my biggest things is you know communication, making sure you're always available. But um, what's some of the things that you've learned dealing with clients? You know, what's some of the things that you know you've had to, 
maybe some hard lessons that you've had to adapt to uh, in dealing with different people and especially running your own business? Um, well, for me, it's probably one of the toughest things was pricing. Um, and I've talked with you about that countless times. You know, I'm always hitting you up, you know, what would you charge for this project? What would you charge for this amount of work? Yada, yada. Um, for me, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly laid back guy. I'm kind of timid, you know, I admit that. And, and it's hard for me to, to look somebody in the face and say, hey, I want this amount of money for this project, being fairly new at it, being a new business owner. You're selling, you know, your, I, you're selling yourself, and it's hard to do that. You know, for, exactly. some people it's, for some people it's not, but for me it for sure is. It still is to this day. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's, that's a constant struggle for me. Now, the way I have what I'm doing set up right now, like I said, Beaumarts being my main client, any other work I take on is, is small projects, you know, like I just did one the other day where I did a quick um, drone shoot for a guy here working on the gas or working for the gas company. Um, I've taught myself to be more direct. And um, one of the biggest things, too, is was getting pricing up front and getting stuff, you know, either written down or if you trust the person you're working with, a you know, word of mouth kind of contract. Um, that was always difficult for me. I'm, I'm not very business savvy. And. So that was a struggle and that was stuff, you know, I cut myself short on a lot of projects or I undercharged um, mainly out of, I guess, lack of confidence. You know, I didn't think that I was worth the amount of money that I could have got and therefore I, I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's something that I'm continually learning and, and just basically, you know, having confidence in your work. And regardless of who you are compared to other people in yeah. the industry or whatever. Well, you gotta, you've got to price things to where you're going to be happy at the end of it. If you don't price things exactly. where you're not going to be happy, then it doesn't matter how quick you get them done or how much money it is. If you're not happy with the price that you gave them in the beginning, uh, then it's it's never going to work out for you. You know, it, you're going to be the one you know holding the short end of the stick at the end of the project. Exactly. Yeah. And, and also for upcoming work from the same clients, you know. If you sell yourself low the first time, yeah, you might get returning jobs, but you're kind of stuck at that price, you know, and or without someone saying like, hey, why'd you, you know, up your charges 35%, you know, and it, it's kind of, you got to set yourself or set a standard for yourself early and kind of work with that. Yeah. And you can you're gonna set yourself up for, yeah. for failure down and, the road. And you can always come down. You can never go up. Yep. <laughs> well, exactly. uh, how do you, have you ever had a client? And I, I ask this question because this happens to me often. It seems like have you ever had a client suggest to you to make an editor a change or do something in the field that you felt was stupid, but you had to do it anyway because they were paying you? Absolutely. Yeah. There's you know it, it goes to your creativity. Um, everybody has their own idea in their head for a project. Um, both you know the producer and the client. And they don't always mesh, but at the end of the day, unless you got enough work to where you can just say, hey, that doesn't meet what I would like to do, therefore I'm, I'm not going to take the project, you got to do what the customer wants. Mm -hmm. um, now, I haven't run into a, a, a spot yet, or, a, or a, I haven't run into anything to where I was completely against it, to where I didn't want to do it, period. But I have had occasions where clients have you know, wanted something done that, I thought was corny or I thought didn't really flow very well, but they liked it and they were happy with it. And at the end of the day, happy customer is, you know, what we all shoot for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you've got to walk a fine line and a lot of, and a lot of guys, a lot of creatives that aren't business savvy, you know, that are like us that are really good at being creative and really good at creating content. 
when somebody comes to him and says, hey, well, I would rather you, you know, can you edit it with, I don't like that song. Can you put a song like this in there? And they send you an example of a song and you, you know, you're like, oh my God, this is going to, this is going to ruin this whole project. And a lot of guys that aren't business savvy or, uh, and then they're only good at being creative will either pitch a fit, refuse to do it and lose a client over it, you know? And, you Mm -hmm. know, if you, if you can't, you've got to pick one of two things, you know, yeah, you got to stay true to yourself and, uh, you know, do a bunch of passion projects or if you're out there to make money, you got to do what the client wants. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What's music? That's, that's a toughie just because as you know, you know, a lot of times you have a project that, the clips are timed to beats or changes in oh, the music. Oh God, dude, don't get me started. And they want the music changed, and you basically have to redo the whole project. Yeah, I had that happen yeah. like not too long ago. Like three songs, yeah. three songs, like a four-minute edit. So you know, that's like a third of the whole edit. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I, I really think this one's a little too fast, or this one's a little, this one sounds a little too techno-y, and they want it changed out. And you're like, well, yep. you don't realize how much more work you just created for me. You know, so. And that's why exactly. you always put stipulations in your contracts. So, you know, this is, you know, usually this is two, two revisions is customary. And once it gets past two revisions and you start charging people because it, it starts right. to get a little ridiculous after that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's music's probably the biggest thing that I've run into yeah. um, other than just a few small things. But, you know, if I can keep it there, I'd be happy. I'm sure that there'll be other issues arise in the future. But yeah, as of now, it's been pretty mild. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. It's time. You uh you and your brother have been uh-huh. hunt, hunting or were hunting a really big deer there in Ohio that uh you sent me oh, pictures, yeah. you sent me pictures and video of your brother making not so great of a shot on mm-hmm. a deer that what well, last year was well over 200 inches and you know, I didn't tell a soul. I was I was a you know, a good friend and kept a secret, but um you know, and, and, you. and you knew that there were some people around you that, you know, that had pictures of the deer. So kind of, uh, kind of walk me through it. Your brother was self-filming last year. He shot the deer, didn't make a great shot. The deer ended up yeah. living and then kind of walk me through what happened a little bit last year and then what happened this year. Because you, did okay. you, did you hear that it was on the Renella podcast twice? Uh, yeah, actually a buddy of mine had texted and said that they were talking about it, but I haven't had a chance to listen to it. They didn't really go but, into too many details, just about, uh, you know, uh, an Amish guy in Ohio shot this really big deer, tried to, you, you, you tell the story, but they did talk about it on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. So long story short, just to sum up last year. So my brother and I have had a farm that we've hunted together since we were very young kids. Um, as I moved to college down Southern Ohio, my brother pretty much took over hunting that place. I didn't really have time to drive all the way up there to, to hunt it and had plenty of ground down by me to hunt. So must be nice. He, <laughs> well, I've worked hard for it though. <laughs> I um, know. I know. I'm just messing but, with uh, you cause I have nothing down here. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I, I door knocked 54 doors and got permission for two places. If that gives you anything. Oh, wow. That's, that's yeah. impressive though. That's the well, work that a lot of guys aren't willing to put in. But anyway, keep what yeah, you, yeah, keep what going. You gotta do. Yep. But anyway, so he kind of took over that farm. I didn't hunt it a whole lot, and I'm at work one day, and I get a phone call from my brother, and he's absolutely freaking out. Like, barely can hear him. I make out. I just shook. I just stuck a booner. He could be 200, and my brother's been known to tell a tall tale every once in a while. So, didn't think he was telling the truth. So I called him out on it. And he's, again, hardly intelligible at all. I'm sending you a picture from, from the camera, man. It's coming right now. And, and boom, I about dropped to the floor. Um, 
Yeah, biggest it's, deer it's, I'd ever seen. It's unbelievable. If you're listening and haven't looked this deer up, I will put it's, a picture of this deer on the podcast. It's a it's a freaking giant. Yeah, absolute monster. And you know, my brother has, has self filmed and filmed you know for many many years as well. And, and he did a good job of that. He, <laughs> he, he did everything right, but the shot. <laughs> absolutely perfect in fact it probably was because of the cameras that he didn't oh, make the God, best shot dude, don't say that to people don't say that three, to people he did have three camera angles running at one time and all of them were perfect i gotta give my brother the most amount of credit i can for that because that deer comes in front of me i'm not pushing record i'm going into kill mode you and the dang, deer's gonna oh, die. man i would like to i would like to think i i would have the resolve your brother had but I, would I, like I to as well. don't think I could. I'll be the first. Uh, I'll, I'll be right there with you, man. I'm killing that deer. Right. So anyway, unfortunately, he makes a non-lethal shot on it. Um, I mean, an inch higher, and the deer would have taken it to the heart and would have been dead. But good side of that story. Four days later, the thing shows back up on the same freaking trail camera with a visible hole in his leg. But other than that didn't really appear to be bothered by it and it showed up for three or four days in daylight after that unfortunately my brother um, was working out of maryland at the time and was driving back and forth from ohio to maryland two to three times a week and so unfortunately he couldn't get back to hunt it until it stopped showing up in daylight Um, anyway we hunted or i helped him hunt that deer i'd already tagged out um, for the rest of the season you know just keeping food out for him and whatnot monitoring cameras and hanging stands for better winds, all that stuff, everything that, you know, a deer hunter does. And unfortunately, he never got another crack at it. We had a couple close calls. I saw it once. He saw it once. Oh, so you did um, see him from the tree? Yeah, yeah. He saw oh, it from I have the tree a, I have one a, other time. I haven't heard this. Yes, uh, just a brief brief encounter. Um, wasn't able to get a shot. It was too far. And then I actually got a glimpse of it on the opening day of gun season last year. I went up and hunted there mainly just to kind of patrol for for trespassers it's a it's a bad problem in that area and um neighbors on the other farm actually pushed him out of his bed and he ran past me um i could have killed him but like i said i was i'd already filled my tag so i didn't um fast forward to this season we get pictures of them um in velvet uh right about the end of velvet season right before they shed he showed back up for us and he was all over us all season um my brother was in the how, hot seat. How big is the farm? The farm we're on is only 40 acres, oh believe it or not. Oh, my gosh. But it's just, it's the right 40 acres. Um, it, it's just in a hub of where numerous properties adjoin, and just a lot of timber comes together. It's agricultural land, so, you know, you get a strip of timber connecting one corner. Yeah. And, the, and, and then another one in the other corner of the is that, property. Is that, where is, you exactly, killed, is that where you killed your deer? No, I actually killed my buck this year um, down down south where I live, down in Logan I got you. Area. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Athens. No, you're good. Uh, but, yeah, so it's just the right 40 acres, a um, lot of great ground around it. It does get hunted very hard, uh, but there's also a lot of a lot of areas where the deer can get away from hunters and, and, and get to be over 200 inches. Um, so we were hunting them very hard this year. We spent a ton of time and money. I mean, we put up numerous... Um, numerous blinds on elevated platforms this year we put in uh, over an acre of food plots um, just did a ton of work everything we could think of to hold that deer and keep them comfortable but also hunting them as low pressure as we could physically do in 40 acres it doesn't take but one bad hunt and you've you've burned the whole place out yeah so 
hunting him very hard. I kept my tag open for him, although, you know, my brother was in the hot seat. I wanted him to get that deer. Crazy to, to say, I know, but I would much rather have seen my brother redeem himself than, than me kill it. Just... I just mean, you know, I know the feeling that it would give him and I would want him to experience that. And I would never want there to be any tension between us if I were to kill it. So I did keep my tag open, but I was rooting for my brother to, to kill it. And unfortunately, as close as we were um, to getting on him, it just was ruined on, I believe, November 7th or 8th. I can't remember the exact date now. The golden, um, the golden days. Yeah, the golden days is right. Um, I, I actually have a couple buddies that hunt the area, and they were keeping me updated. You know, they had, uh, two guys actually that I'm friends with um, had encounters with that deer and just couldn't get a shot, and then he disappeared. And two or three days we didn't get pictures of him, which was pretty rare. And uh, so he was that active. You're getting pictures of him almost daily. Oh yeah, yeah. Last year we we were getting pictures. Um, I'd say like 25 out of 30 days, the one month for sure. Jesus, on 40 acres. That's crazy. On 40 acres, I mean, yeah. you were and in the middle year, of his core area. Y- yes, absolutely. He had, a, he had a large core area, but we were very much in the middle, and we hunted very low pressure. I mean, there was many days where we should have hunted, and we might have been able to kill him, but we didn't risk it due to bad winds, whatever factor that made it played in. But, um, yeah, and then... Uh, one day, I'm, I'm actually at Walmart early in the morning getting some supplies to, to go up for a couple of days to hunt with my brother, and I get a phone call from my buddy Tori, who is uh, one of the guys that hunts the neighboring farm, and he's like, dude, you're not going to like this. I'm like, you killed him, didn't you? And he's like, I wish. He's dead, though. And um, yeah, so we'd, he'd seen some pictures on Facebook of a taxidermist holding the deer, and it's, you've seen it. It's unmistakable. There's, there's no other deer out there like it. And a um, few things were weird about the story. Um, we, we contacted, well, actually, Tori contacted the taxidermist, and a few of the things the taxidermist said were weird, uh, one of which was the guy that dropped it off wasn't going to have it mounted, just wanted it Euro-mounted. And another thing was that he didn't want any pictures of the deer taken, and he didn't want anybody to score it. Hmm. So kind of a bit of a red flag but we also knew that an Amish gentleman had shot it and we you know they I know that they don't like to have their picture taken so I just kind of wrote it off as that um but then uh, a few days go by and and a bunch of stories start popping up on the deer and every one of them was saying that it was killed in Holmes County Ohio which that's two counties away from where we were and so I called a game warden buddy of mine from college that that knew about the deer. We'd filled him in the year before, even just in case you know we got another crack at him, whatever. We'd have a game warden in our corner. And um, I asked him to look into it, gave him the information that I had about the deer, and he said, "Yeah, something doesn't doesn't seem right." And uh, it wasn't a day or two later he called me. He's like, "Hey man, um, you you were right about it. That deer was taken illegally, and it is now in my possession." And um, the case is. Uh, ongoing with it so Dang, man yeah and there's no way for you guys i mean I'm, I'm i'm assuming that there's no way for you guys to ever get your hands on it or to see him or hold him or anything like that um i don't i'm sure we'll be able to see him um for the state of ohio what they do when they confiscate deer like that is they they pay for them to have them mounted and a lot of times they'll they have like a wall of shame that goes around like the deer and turkey expo and other outdoor shows here in the state um and they'll, they'll put them up on display and basically show how much a deer that caliber would, would cost a poacher if they are caught um, which, taking it illegally. Which, which they said on the podcast was 
yeah, just just a tick over, I believe, twenty eight and some change. Yeah, and they they went they even found out what the algorithm was on how they fit, came up with that figure. Yeah, there's a uh, Ohio has a trophy fine implemented, and I believe now don't quote me on this, but I believe anything over one hundred and twenty five inches yeah. is asserted a certain dollar amount for every inch over that. Yeah, they they even went into the the formula on how they calculate how much the deer is worth, and it was like. The, the gross score minus 100 times $1.65. I'm pretty sure is how they came up with it. Yeah, that sounds about right. I remember the $1.65 figure for sure. Yeah, and they said that on the podcast, which I'm sure there's a rhyme or reason for that number, but that just that makes no sense to me. And for that deer to only be worth $28,000, I think it should be worth $280,000, you know. You know, how much would it have been worth to you or your brother to have laid your hands on it legally, you know, after all the time and effort you put into it. You know, oh it, it's gosh. it's a that that just oh man, that just infuriates me. And, and the fact that you had an opportunity to kill him but you had already filled your tag and didn't. You know, that makes it even worse. It's it's definitely a a slap in the face, man. You know, it's it definitely feels like someone came into your house and stole something for you. You know, no, nobody owns those deer until they're harvested. But mm-hmm. when you put in the type of time or the amount of time and, and the money and just the work, I live two and a half hours from that farm. And mm-hmm. I was driving up twice a week to keep feeders filled and checking cameras and making sure that, you know, we weren't having any trespassing issues. You know, and my brother at the time that he shot the deer, he was driving back and forth to Maryland, six hour drive just to hunt that deer for, for sometimes one evening and then driving back to work. Yeah. And for someone to be that greedy, you know, he had actually, I don't know the exact details of the story, um, but he had already, the gentleman that poached it had already shot a buck and then shot ghost as what we called it um, when he came in after the fact and then ditched the head of the eight pointer that he had killed and tried to do something through the tagging system to to hide the fact that he had shot two bucks, and mm. obviously he was caught in the process. Yeah, didn't do a very good job. But it's it's such a shame, man. And you know, my brother and I, yeah, we were very close um, with that deer and close to killing it. But as were three or four other people that I know, and and who knows how many other guys that were hunting it legally and ethically that I don't know about that yeah. were hunting it the same. You know, that sure. could be 15 different people out there that put in the same amount of time and work that were all gypped in the process. Yeah. You know, it's what makes me mad is he was sentenced jail time and a longer hunting rights um, loss. And, and the judge waived it because he was able to pay his fines out of pocket. Wow. Yeah, he, he went from, from uh, I believe, uh, 60 days in jail that they dropped, and he was supposed to lose his hunting rights for two years, and they dropped it to just one. So, I mean, he, he sits out a season, and, you know, obviously he had the money if he was able to pay it up front. You know, 28 grand is a lot of money, but at the same time, we probably put half that into hunting that deer in two yeah, years. Yeah, no doubt, and not, not counting the the time off work and everything else, man, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. Well, to kind of, to kind of get back to, uh, the filming thing, I just, I just wanted to hear the story and I'm sure people listening are want to hear that story, but, um, and I I'm, don't mean to cut you off, but my brother and I are actually, um, Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Are you guys going to, are you guys going to put an edit together for that? We are, we are trying to, yes. Um, it, it's kind of getting to, 
past the point where it's relevant, but we're still going to get it out there. It's just, it's difficult for both of our schedules to align where we can get together. And we're trying to schedule some time to where we can do an interview um, with uh, a warden or two that were involved in the case as well. That way the facts are 110% accurate and clear cut for the public. Um, but yeah, eventually we will get that out of there. Obviously you'll be one of the first people to know about it when I do. Um, but the footage my brother shot when he made the bad shot on that deer it's just mind-blowing. I, I believe I, I sent it to you or showed you in yeah. person. Even. Oh, I've still got it on my phone. Dude, the world is going to want to see that deer. So we're oh, definitely going to still put it out there. It he doesn't, take a little he while doesn't look real. There. The screen grabs that you sent me, like if you didn't know, <laughs> if you didn't see the video, you'd think it was fake. I, I, yeah, I got that all the time until you played the video for, yeah. for somebody. Ain't no denying that video, though. Exactly. But uh, anyway, so, yeah. you know, kind of going back to, you know, you and, and, and your, you know, your business, you know, being new and, you know, you know, you're working towards some, you know, some big stuff. Do you have any big projects coming up that you're looking to, to do other than that one? Um, well, I have a couple of my own personal hunts to put together. I wouldn't necessarily call them groundbreaking projects, but they'll be fun for, for myself. Um, my dad uh, is who got my brother and I into hunting. And um, him and my, my mom moved to Florida um, when I was around 18 or 19. So my dad really hasn't got to hunt hardly at all. In fact, I think the last time he hunted was 10, 10 or so years ago. Um, but he, uh, he came up for our gun season here in Ohio. My mom and him um, visited, and, and my brother and I took him um, to that same farm where we were hunting ghosts, actually. And uh, we got him his first, uh, first deer and, and buck in at least 10 or 12 years. That's cool. Um, so we, we filmed that and that was an absolute blast. And then I, I self film my buck kill from this season, um, that I have to work on. So those are a couple personal projects that I'm excited to do just, just for fun. Um, and then as far as from a business standpoint, um, I have some, some pretty cool projects coming up with, uh, with the Bomars. Um, last I heard, we should be leaving here soon for a bison hunt, um, in Colorado, as long as that goes well. Nice. And then um, I know that uh, they scheduled me to go with them to Africa in July, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, you're going to love Africa. Yeah, I was just going to say, I know you've been there a couple times, so I need to pick your brain, actually, a little yeah. bit on that. Anytime, man. Um, but uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for that. And, and then, of course, um, just the Bomar's work in general is keeping me plenty busy. Yeah. Um, I really, you know, I do fine with or for myself just just working with them which i'm very appreciative of uh of them working with me and giving me the opportunity you know as as you know it's it's really really good feeling when you have steady consistent work and you're mm -hmm. not going job to job to job yeah so and then anything i can pick up in the side in my free time of course is is always a blessing too so yeah i got to meet josh at uh, ata this year it's first time i'd ever met yeah. him he seemed like a good yeah, he dude said he talked to you yeah he seemed like a really good dude super driven guy i like that yeah, I can't say enough about those two. Um, I've learned so much from both of them, um, mainly in the business standpoint, but just a lot about life too. You know, like you said, they're extremely driven people. Two of the most driven people I've ever met, especially for their age. Um, they're they're very generous people. They care a lot about 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 others, um, and uh, they're very intelligent, and they have a lot of great connections. So. It's, it's been a lot of fun working with them. I've learned a ton and, uh, I'm excited to, I'm excited for the future with them. Sweet. What's, um, what's your five or 10 year goal, you know, for yourself and your business and, 
Now, what's what's your five year outlook? Well, I'd like to get, I'd like to build the real estate stuff up um, some more, and and potentially get to where you know I might be able to hire on uh, if if anything just for part time someone else, someone you know like Joey. <laughs> hey, Joey. Um, yeah, Joey. But uh, I, I would like to get into that a little bit more, um, mainly because it's fairly easy work. It's it allows me some creativity, um, and I'm not working with a ton of people on a project. You know, typically yeah. you deal with the realtor and maybe the people that are selling the house, but that's it. And I like that aspect. I like to be able to have some freedom and to be able to do you know what I think is best for the project. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that flexibility is really nice. So, um, and I like to do aerial stuff with the drone and there's a ton of work with that. So that's what I'm going to concentrate on outside of the hunting industry. Um, like I said, the Bomar's pretty much got me packed, uh, with work in in that arena. So, but, uh, I don't know, man, I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants right now, to be honest with you, just taking side jobs when I can. No, we all are, man. We all are. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I, I like the idea of real estate. I've done a few weddings and they pay very well, but you know, there's, there's such a pain Jesus, and you typically man. are dealing with some oh. stressful situations and some tightly wound people, yep. you know? <laughs> so, uh, I've done a few of them for friends and they turned out great and I had an enjoyable time with it, but I don't know if I would want to do that full time or, or even do it a, a lot. No, period. not at all. So real estate and, and hunting or the hunting industry or two that I like, you know, I have a passion for both of them and that's kind of where I'm going to focus my efforts, at least for now. Good deal, dude. Well, dude, I appreciate it. Where can everybody find you on social media? Um, you can find me under my just my personal stuff. Um, uh, Instagram is where I'm most active. It's just uh, Jeff underscore Bigler, uh, B-I-G-L-E-R. And then I my company name is Smoke and Shutter Media. Um, but admittedly, I'm <laughs> I'm really behind on on building those social media platforms. I have them; they're there. Uh, it's just smoke and shutter media, um, but I don't really post a lot to it yet. I need to do that. It's one of those things that I've just been lazy with, but I'll, I'll get to it here. So you can find me there as well. Well, sweet, dude. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, dude. I appreciate it, and uh, get after it. No, hopefully I... hopefully Colorado turns out well. Uh, you're going to probably yeah. freeze your butt off, but uh, the bison hunt <laughs> something I haven't done before. I kind of am anxious to hear that, how that one goes. Yeah, I'm excited too. It's, you know, it's one of those uh, animals you grew up kind of admiring at least i did yeah for sure but, but no man i appreciate you uh thanks for reaching out and thanks for having me you know i've always uh looked up to your work and love what you're doing with the podcast and uh this has been a lot of fun thanks brother man like i said you're Let's one of my favorite it. ohioans <laughs> you're my favorite georgia boy <laughs> heck yeah all right buddy i appreciate it thanks <laughs>